Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Stay blitzing. Back, hit, down he goes. Curtis Cothran back at the 30-yard line. It's going to be second and goal from there. Thorson has Dickerson tight to the far side on third and goal at the 27. Takes it, play action fake. A lot of time, hit as he throws, reaching up, and they battle at the 10. Oriwarie picks it off. Amani Oriwarie with a spectacular interception. They play with a four-man front on third and nine. Penn State 41, back to pass pressure. Hit as he throws, it's loose on the turf. Picked up by Kevin Givens, and Penn State recovers it at the 48-yard line. Snaps there, put down, kick is up, and the kick by Davis is good, and Penn State takes the early lead. 3-0 with 13 seconds to go here in the opening quarter. So second and goal at the 10 as Tommy Stevens comes in, replacing Mike Gasicki. He's to the right of McSorley, Barkley to the left. Near side, Tompkins and Polk, far side, Charles. McSorley, back, set, throws over the middle. Stevens has got a touchdown, Penn State. Fourth and three, Penn State. 34-yard line, two near side, wing right, Dickerson. Option play near side, Thorson in trouble, and down he goes, Shane Simmons back at the 40-yard line, and the Penn State defense has been coming up big all day. Down to four seconds left in the half. Takes the snap, back to pass. Steps up, he throws in the end zone for Wilson, and it's intercepted by Christian Campbell at the goal line. Third and goal, a half foot away. Turns. Gives it to Barkley. Up over the top. Touchdown, Penn State. Saquon Barkley with his fifth touchdown of the year rushing. A flag is down, though. Gives it to Barkley. Barkley to the 50. Barkley 45. There goes the Magic Man. 30, 25, 10, 5. Touchdown, Penn State. Saquon Barkley. 53-yard run. The Magic Man gets it done again. Well, early on in the game, you know, this is a tricky place to play, and and obviously Fitz knows it better than anybody. You got, you got really strong wind conditions in one direction. I want to do a study. I asked Michael Hazel to do a study of all their games, of you know where most of their points scored and things like that, because you you saw Fitz there in the beginning of the game. He was doing everything he possibly could to keep the wind. Even called a timeout, you know, there at the end of the first quarter. So, um, you know, it, it's a tough place to play. They do a great job. They're well coached. They're disciplined. Our defense has been playing lights out after last season. You know, the storyline was our offense. And, um, you know, our defense, you know, so far this year is playing as good as anywhere in the country. I think I think shutout football. That was shutout football. Our, our second team went in and didn't really live up to our standard late in the game and gave up a touchdown. But overall, really, really good. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the notes that I have is really thinking about when we come here, you really got to play field position early on in, the, in these games because the wind or the rain or whatever whatever it may be it's a factor here James talk about you talk about how great the defense has been playing that that's secondary especially Amani today he was outstanding out there yeah he's he's a guy that we're really proud of he's you know he's worked hard he's been patient you know he's made plays um, you know he's got tremendous length and size and and is really playing with a lot of confidence right now so you know his third interception of the season fourth of his career you know making big plays for us you know whenever you can you know win the important metrics that we talk about all the time our our, our drive start, you know, we were at the 
40, they were 22. Turnover battle, we had zero, they had three. Penalties, we had three, they had eight. And then we had 11 explosive plays, and they had six. You know, when you win the metrics like that, especially the turnovers that Amani was a big part of, you know, you're going to be difficult to beat. He had a couple that we thought he could have came down with as well. He's he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, he really is. He's going after the ball. And, you know, Jack, you know this. There's some guys that are big hit guys. And even when the ball's in the air, they're going for the hit. That's just who they are in their DNA. Right. DNA. And then there's other guys that they're, they're ball players. And that, that's yeah. that's what Amani's showing he is. He's a ball player. He's very comfortable getting connected with the receiver and then going to find the ball in the air. Um, so, you know, that's going to help us long term, no doubt. You know what? We're, we're going to focus on this win and, and then go into the bye week. And, and we got some things that we got to get cleaned up. We got to focus on our academics. And, you know, we got to get, you know, as healthy as we possibly can get and, uh, and then go into the bye week, you know, and get some work done. That'll be partly development of our younger players. That'll be partly, uh, you know, looking at some of the things that have caused us problems this year offense, defense, and special teams. And then obviously getting a head start on our next opponent. That next opponent is Michigan, which will be the whiteout game. It will be a 7.30 kickoff. Uh, we'll be on the air beginning at 6. And uh, so a bye week is here. Uh, now, Sean uh, is with Deb today. She's getting checked. Uh, she's doing well, which is all good. Uh, should be pointed out that the suit came up and said, I've been checked before. Like, uh, it's, not, it's not about you, suit. Stop laughing, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only guy that's like, you know, I, I went through this a year ago. Uh, okay, we we got it. <laughs> we, we got it. By the way, we will definitely hear from the suit a little bit later on, but that's a little tease for the 4 o'clock hour. I won't say oh, anything no. else. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? You'll find out. Oh, is he the play-by-play call of the day? Could be. We'll we'll, we'll have to see. Wow. Because I have another great announcer in there, too. Wow. Um, I would think that... Was there like a really great extra point? What was going on? (laughs) It's definitely not that. I'll, I'll leave you in suspense. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well, we'll have to. I mean, there's a lot of drama here. I mean, uh, Joe Susan's going to be later in the week, by the way. Um, Matt Leon in the next hour. Look, they had the bye week. They're six and zero. They're six and zero. All right. And I've talked about this repeatedly that. I have looked at all of this. And I know there's that week-by-week evaluation about where you are, where you're good, where you need help, things like that. Um, the bottom line is you're 6-0. and And as each week has gone by, there's been another team that has not been able to survive and advance their record. USC did not do it. So now they're fighting back. Oklahoma State didn't do it. So now they're fighting back. This past weekend, Oklahoma didn't do it. Now they're going to have to fight back. Michigan didn't do it. Now they're going to have to fight back. 
So, I mean, that's what you're looking at in this particular season. To me, and I've talked about this, been a, a theme um, throughout this, all of this, has been looking at how the college football playoff works. They're ranked third in the country right now. Third in the country is really, really great for publicity. It's great for promoting games. It is great for people on campus to feel good about. But there is a reality to it. Being ranked third in the AP poll doesn't mean anything. Being ranked third in the coaches poll doesn't mean anything because there isn't a member of the AP voting group that's on the college football playoff committee, and there is not a coach that votes in the Amway coaches poll for USA Today that is on the 13-member voting committee. Well, since they don't have any members on the 13-member voting committee, it's nice that they think where you are at that particular moment, but the opinions of 13 people are going to, in the end, starting October 31st, what's going to matter. And as I've said many times, you try to survive in advance, survive in advance, because Penn State has enough meat on the bone in the schedule to control their own destiny. I mean, you don't think if they go out and they beat Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, back to back to back, you don't think that's going to send the message that you belong? I mean, I've had people say people are worried George is going to jump Penn State. But please, slow down. Georgia's got a gigantic problem. they got a huge problem. It's called Alabama. They've got to play Alabama if they win the East in the championship game. That's a gigantic problem. And so just let the season breathe. Let it play out. And let's see how it what happens. I know I've always had, you know, I I realize I am not the great speculator. I don't like speculation. It it doesn't it doesn't float my boat, anything like that. I look at six and zero, and I and I, and I give you the cold hard facts right off the top. Okay, they've won every game. Right, and it is a survive in advance because that's how I have figured out the college football playoff. The longer you can go surviving and advancing, the better the better things are for you. Which then brings me to the next part: Who has it? Oklahoma has it. Ohio State has it. USC is not. Michigan is not. Oklahoma State is not. Florida State is not. So in the opening half of the season, all of the teams I listed did not go through undefeated. Does Penn State, then the next part, does Penn State have enough on the remaining schedule that can make an impression? And the answer is yes. So those are the most important elements to me. They played really well defensively. I think everyone knows that. Uh, they the special teams have been terrific. Obviously, you've got to be better in the place kicking game. Right, that's obvious. They need more kicks from Tyler Davis. They need him in the second half of the season to be one of those thirteen out of fifteen guys. You want to feel when you get to a certain point. 
on the field that you're in a really good spot to get points. That that's what you want. You want to feel when you get to a certain part. All right, we got the ball at the thirty yard line. I'm confident now. Quote: We're going to get points. And every every coach, everyone watching game wants to feel that way. Do they need to run the football better? Yes, but they've done a great job of adjusting. Because you've seen they're throwing the ball much more on first down now. Penn State was also 8 of 16 on Saturday on third down. Very good on third and fly plus, and very good on third and short. 8 of 16 will win you a lot of games, 50%. That will win you a lot of games. What Gilligan has done with the punting game, what they have in the return game, And you see the field position. Here's another. Let me give you another one. Penn State has played six games this year. You want to know how big their field position advantage is in the opening six games of the season? 1,058 yards. They have a 173-yard-per-game advantage on field position. The average drive start for Penn State this year is their own 36-yard line. The average drive start for the opponent this year is their own 22. That's one of the metrics that James Franklin talks about. Penn State right now is a plus-12 giveaway takeaway. Penn State has 80 points off the takeaways this year. Last year they had 83 for the entire season. And by the way, the field position happens in part because of the offense. Remember, if the offense goes out, starts at their own 20, gets a couple of first downs out to the 45, they now have changed field position by getting first downs. So that's what we've seen so far. How the college football playoff breaks down, I don't know. We'll see. First one comes out October 31st. And I'll go back to what I said repeatedly last year. Remember, each week is a snapshot with the college football playoff committee. Just because you're third or you're second and you win doesn't automatically mean the next week you're second or third. It's a snapshot. Where do they think, who they think the four best teams are and in what order each week based on how the schedule plays out? They're snapshots. And it's just a lot of fun to be sitting here on this bye week and having this kind of conversation. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You name it, they have it. Auto, home, life, business, insurance, experts across the board to make sure that you're completely covered for the right price. And do they ever go to work for you if you ever do need it? That's why you have insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. So, Penn State, Michigan will be, as expected, a night game. It'll be 730 Whiteout, ABC. 
So that's what uh, that's what you got going on here. Now this weekend's going to be quiet. Yeah. Chance for us to all sit back on a Friday night, put our feet up, and listen to the suit. Did you fall down, Matt? You all right? <laughs> Got Mifflinburg this week, I think, Chickalemi. Yeah. Now, you have to tell me, because I didn't get a chance to check. Did they win? Yes, they did. Uh, Comeback win at Jersey Shore. Big, big win. Wow. So, they won. Sealands Grove won. Right, right, and uh, Lewisburg lost at Danville, and uh, Milton lost again uh, to... Mm. Who was it? I forgot the top of my head. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we'll have our high school previews on Thursday, by the way. Um, so... The, I believe uh, it's Chickalemi's homecoming this week, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, good. Maybe we'll have a float with a suit on it. <laughs> Is there a parade that goes with this? That's a good question. I'm sure there'll be some sort of festivities there. Maybe a homecoming court of some sort. It's a chance for the suit to be king. <laughs> that actually would not surprise me. <laughs> well, Sean is with Deb today. She is doing... Better and better every day. So that's that's really good news. Absolutely. Uh, prayers for continued recovery for her. Yep. And uh, our old, good, beloved, dear friend Bob Buner as well. He has some surgery coming up this week. Think the world of my good friend. All right, white out, but that's in another week. So an opportunity for you to go to your local clothier and pick out something nice. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show, the Monday get-together, brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. You need to be insured, whether it's life insurance, auto, home, if you have a business, you need to have insurance. Well, you might as well go with an insurance agency that's the best in the business. And that means you need to go with Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Because they'll have a group of people that will be experts in the field that will go out and they will get you the best insurance that fits what you need for the right price. Then if there happens to be a claim, you don't want there to be any claims. You never do. Nobody wants a claim and the hassle of it and so forth, and the, the pain you got to go through when it comes to a claim. Nobody wants to go through that. But that's why you have Purdy Insurance. They're the experts. They're the ones that will have the ability to cut through all the tape and, and come to the conclusion that you, the customer, needs. The customer comes first. And you need to have a great group to work with always and have complete trust with your insurance agency. That's Purdy Insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. 
Time now for this day in sports history. Then Ben Jones next hour. Matt Leon. Boy, the Eagles looked good yesterday. Man, they look good. Oh yeah, they really did look good. good yesterday. Yeah, um, four and one right now. Impressive. Good. We'll talk about them in a little bit. First this day in sports history, 1919, the Cincinnati Reds won the World Series. The win would later be tainted when eight White Sox players, including Shearless Joe Jackson, were charged with throwing the series. The incident became known as the Black Sox scandal. 1974, the Washington Capitals played their first NHL game. And 2002, the L.A. Kings retired Wayne Gretzky's number 99. Well, let's talk a little Penn State football now. Bring in Ben Jones, statecollege.com. Ben, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Uh, I'm doing great, Stephen. I am not out for the season. I'm here for, for the rest of the year. No surprise to this veteran campaigner. So let's get to uh, the uh, what you saw on Saturday. Uh, what were some of the your takes as to what uh, you witnessed? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, going into the middle part of the year when you've got some of the biggest games on the schedule, I think you've seen, you know, the Penn State team – each and every week that you've seen the week before. You know, there's, there's some things they're good at, there's some things they're not so good at, but at the end of the day, they're really hard to beat, and for the most part, they're pretty much, you know, one of the most balanced teams in the country, and I think at this point, uh, you know, even with what Ohio State's been doing on offense as of late, I still think they're probably the most balanced uh, team in the Big Ten, and that's really, I think, the sign of a good team. is not so much, do you fix all of the problems that you have, and are you you become just sort of like a perfect football team, but are you consistent week in and week out? And I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, you know, this is a team that you know you're going to get out of them. You're going to get really good defense. You're going to get uh, an offense that can put up points when it's clicking, and you're going to get special teams that outside of uh, sort of the field goal kicking unit, uh, you know, has been one of the more improved areas of the program over the past few years. Um, so there weren't really any surprises, and I think if you're Penn State, that's probably a good thing. What is it about the defense that you're looking at right now that just seems different from what we've been watching in recent years? Um, I think you know the biggest thing in terms of what you see optically is just the fact that they are so fast. I mean, I think this is a defense that you know you look at the Iowa game, and I remember you know talking to the guys around me when Iowa had the ball in one of their first drives, and you looked at that offensive line and how big they are. And then you compare them to Penn State's defensive line and defensive players and how much smaller they are. And you go, you know, is, this could be a problem. And I think, you know, if you're Penn State, the speed and the strength that they've put in um, has kind of made them a very tough defense to beat because they can get to the ball um, in mass in a quick amount of time. You're not seeing a lot of guys uh, get beat. You, you know, past few years, I think you'd see from time to time there'd be a guy who'd miss a tackle and then. You know, there'd be 15 yards after that before somebody got there, and I think one of the best things that this defense has done is that you know not only are they not missing those tackles anymore, um, you know when maybe one guy can't wrap up the guy all by himself, there's two other guys that are showing up, um, you know at the same time, and I think really, uh, you know you can't ask for much more from this defense. I, I think going into the season, we knew that they had the answers to some of the questions that they had. It's just a matter of you know could they do it, and I think guys like Amani. Um, are great examples of people who, you know, you knew that they could be good. They just had to do it. And I think just about everywhere um, on the defense in places that they've had question marks, they've had guys that have stepped up and played as good, um, in some cases maybe even a little bit better than the guys before them. And I think, uh, you know, that's paying off for as much as we talk about the offense. 
Um, you know, Penn State, it, it looks like at this point, you know, if they're going to make the playoffs or they're going to do something special this season, um, it's going to be as much to do with this defense as it is this offense. When you look at, you can have players of the stature of John Reed and Grant Haley that can give you so much. Everybody brings their own style to the table. But when you look at, I haven't seen as much of them, but Tariq Castro Fields, Christian Campbell, Amani Oyewarie, all three are in that 6-1-plus range. What has their length meant on the corner for Penn State, in addition to what Haley and Haley can do and so forth? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's good, especially at that corner position where, you know, traditionally you've seen smaller guys to have guys that can go up and make those catches. We were kind of joking on the press box on Saturday that you could really argue that all the best catches, you know, you take away the uh, Barkley palming the ball, um, against Indiana two weeks ago, and there's an argument to be made that most all of the best catches that have been made by this Penn State team have been by defensive backs, not receivers. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of that is the size. You talk about Castro Fields as a guy who, you know, maybe is not getting as many reps as some of the guys in front of him, but every time he goes out there, you notice him. He's making plays. Um, you know, Christian Campbell and Amani, those guys have both been, uh, you know, excellent on the ball, excellent, you know, sort of adjusting in the air. And I think that's everything for this defense because they've gone into the season saying we wanted to commit more, or we wanted to force more turnovers, we wanted to, you know, have an impact on defense, and ultimately that's what makes a good defense. It's not so much does everybody that you face go three and out, do they score? Um, it's can you go and make plays that are going to give you the ball back? And I think so far, uh, you know, each and every week at this point, you've seen a defense that's gone out there and not only kept teams off the board for the most part, um, they've been able to get them off the field. Uh, you know, on their own terms, essentially forcing these turnovers and getting these three and outs. And I, I think anytime that you've got size and speed in any aspect of football, um, let alone defense, you're going to be a good team. Mention speed. Uh, what are you seeing in the development of Shaka Tony at this point? And also maybe what we saw from uh, from Shane Simmons a little bit on Saturday as well. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think Shaka Tony is a great example, especially this past weekend of this, what that speed will do for you on the edge. Um, it seemed like so many plays, even when he wasn't getting his two sacks, um, he was just blowing by his guy and getting into the backfield and disrupting things. And I think, you know, even when you don't get into the quarterback, you talk about, you know, why couldn't Penn State force more turnovers or interceptions last year and how they've been so successful this season. Um, you know, as much as it comes down to the size and the speed and what you've got in the secondary, um, you give any quarterback in the Big Ten enough time in the backfield, you know, somebody's going to get open. He's going to find somebody to throw it to. It just becomes harder and harder to force that turnover. And I think you look at all the hurries and the sacks and the tackles for loss and just being disruptive in the backfield, even if you don't get a stat for it, um, you know, that's the sort of thing that ends up getting a guy throwing a ball a few seconds earlier than he wanted or maybe under pressure and, and just not quite as comfortable. And I think you know, guys like Shane Simmons and Shaka Tony and their speed and ability to disrupt in the backfield has got to do as much uh, with Penn State's ability to get these interceptions this year as it has to do with the athleticism of the guys actually making the catches. Uh, what about the timing of the bye week? Um, you know, you talk to everybody, and certainly, you know, I don't, I don't think that anyone is disappointed that it came when it when it did. I, I think, you know, there's always that mixture of you don't want to stop being a hot team and stop the sort of momentum that you've got. But I think if you're Penn State. Um, you look at these first six games and go, we did what we wanted to do. Uh, we got out of here pretty healthy for the most part. We got out of here with all, you know, there's one game. You know, I was the only one that they had to get out in the last second. Um, you're feeling pretty good. You want to get everybody rested up because I think as much as these guys talk about going 1-0 and and looking at what's in front of them, you talk to Mike Gesicki, you talk to Trace McSorley, you talk to even Saquon, who's not too much of a big-picture guy. 
Um, you know, they all kind of admit they know the next three weeks or so are going to, uh, or next four weeks, if you count the bye, are really going to kind of determine their season. So I think if you're Penn State, uh, you know, having a bye week, having an ability to rest up right before, uh, you know, the part of the year that's going to define how people remember this year, um, you know, it really couldn't come at a better time. Ben, thanks so much. Appreciate your time very much. Yep, thanks for having me, Steve. Um, the Red Sox on Andrew Benintendi's two-run homer now lead Houston 3-2 to two in the bottom of the sixth inning. And the managing that we have seen in the postseason is so different than the regular season. Now, I've talked about this before, but, you know, I mean, you do get, uh, at this time of the year, you do have to manage a bit differently. But today is really interesting. Rick Porcello started against Charlie Morton. Okay. Guess who's in the game now? Chris Sale for the Red Sox and Justin Verlander for Houston in middle relief. Now, Sale's been dealing. He has been dealing. Three innings, no hits, four strikeouts, no walks, no base runners. 41 pitches, 29 strikes. And Verlander's got an inning so far, and he gave up the home run to Benintendi. Two-run shot. But that is... You want to talk about managing differently... Everyone thought those would be the two Game 5 starters if they ever got there. They're both in there now. They're not starting Game 5. A suspension at ESPN. We'll tell you about it in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Uh, Jamel Hill has been suspended for two weeks by ESPN. Uh, we know, of course, about the tweet that she had about President Trump earlier. But according to ESPN, after she made a tweet about essentially the way to hurt a franchise like, let's say, for example, the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, and I think she mentioned that specifically, uh, that you heard him in the pocketbook, advertisers and so forth. Well, that was too much, I think, for ESPN to handle, especially in the partnership that they have, because some of the Dallas Cowboys advertising partners are also their advertising partners. So that is... uh, that's the story there. She's going to be suspended for two weeks um, by ESPN for this. That is uh, so. There's your news of the day there. Yeah, I tell you, interesting times. I every time we turn around, there's. Somebody suspended for something, somewhere, sometimes, somewhere. And a lot of times it, it deals with social media. People just don't think before hitting send. Well, yeah, but you know what? 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, we get more social media related suspensions, I think, than anything else that we get. But uh, they made that decision. That's what they're going to do. Uh, all right. So they're in the seventh inning of Fenway. Red Sox lead 3 2 over Houston, and the Astros have the leadoff man aboard. John Farrell, by the way, has been tossed out of the game for arguing balls and strikes. And he's got Chris Sale in there. Just like Justin Verlander's in there for Houston. It's, I said the managing is different. Uh, now, you expect it to be different. Now, for the Red Sox, they know they've got to win this game. I mean, they have no choice. They have to win it. Uh, And since they have to win it, they've got to be a little bit more dramatic with the moves that they make compared to Houston. But A.J. Hinch brought in Justin Verlander. That's dramatic. Now, maybe he's thinking Dallas Keuchel's going to pitch Game 5. I don't know if there is a Game 5. I would hope that would be the case if I'm Houston. If I had to make that move already. Well, I'm saying because Verlander was the game one starter. Right. And. Oh, well, it's. uh... And plus, you've seen David Price already in relief a couple of times in this series. But David Price went into the postseason, Matt, expecting to be in that role. That's true. Uh, because, Because they said that. He did not have enough time coming off the disabled list to stretch him out himself out properly to be a starter, uh, just because of the timing. So that what they did was they put him in the Andrew Miller role, like the Indian Jews Miller. Well, it paid off big yesterday. Price couldn't have pitched any better. And the Red Sox were losing that game three nothing yesterday. They finally come back. They they take a little bit of a lead, and all of a sudden he comes out there and just deals for four innings. Well, at $217 million over seven years, you better. No question. <laughs> you better, Jeez. You better, you better deal. Especially well, the way he he's pitched the last, you know, recent recent years since the Red Sox signed him to that mega deal. Yeah. Hasn't so, been exactly that, worth that money. Right. But today, Chris Sale, they're trying to see if they can get four innings out of Chris Sale. That's what they're trying to do today. If he can get out of the seventh inning, I would expect the Red Sox to then bring in Addison Reed. And if Addison Reed gets out of the eighth inning, I then expect the uh, I then expect Craig Kimbrell to come in. That's how I that, you know. That's what I think they'll do. If they can get Sale through seven, right? Then from that point. You bring in Reed for the eighth inning, and then you bring in Kimbrell for the ninth. I mean, I've watched this team this year. You can tell, right? Did I lose you there, Matt? Oh, of course. I always, I always uh, know okay. you no, no, watch oh, no, the no. Red Sox. Yeah, sorry, oh, no, I no, no, no. No, we, no, no. What happened was we had a, a, a blip here. That's the only reason I asked. <laughs> so, so every once in a while, because we've had already had one power outage here today. Yeah, we've already had one. I had to reset everything before, we, before I went on with the show today. Reset the computer, reset the clock, everything. So all the storms know, just, passing through here from the from Hurricane Nate or whatever. It's tropical rainstorm it, Nate now. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, we had, I mean, we've had a couple of inches of rain here. We've had some wind to go with it. But it's a bye week. Yeah, it's a bye week. Uh, somebody asked me today, so what are you going to do with your bye week? Ah, Sale got a strikeout. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's got five days. Struck out Jose Altuve. That's a big strikeout Al- there. Al- Altuve not enamored with the call. Um, somebody asked, what are you going to do with the bye week? I said, uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to cut my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I actually got a little bit more plan than that. Uh, my good friends, and I've mentioned them a couple times to show Gary and Amy Goloszewski are having a party on Friday night or Saturday night. So uh, yeah, I'm just gonna kick back and enjoy. There you go. <laughs> well deserved. Middle of the season here. Well, it's more than that because remember, I've done you know since. Since the middle of June, I've been doing baseball, too. That's right. So, you know. Yeah, that. So it'll be just a good time to just uh, kick back. Cause I treated yesterday like a normal game week. I did all the Penn State work yesterday morning, and I did a lot of Michigan work yesterday. Uh, so uh, to get that done. And... Now Michigan's going to play Indiana, and all I have to do next weekend is just literally update everything I did. You know, so that's what I'm looking. That's what I'm looking to do. Um, that's why I took yesterday as a normal Sunday workday. That way, when I get to the weekend, I look around and go, "Yeah, okay." There you go. <laughs> Good strategy turn the, there. Turn the cell phone off. Nobody can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Next hour, Matt Leon, and obviously a very intriguing play-by-play call of the day. I can't wait to hear this. Oh, me too. Now, did you put this together or did Sean? This is this was done by me, but um, this certain someone made it a um, a quote respectfully sub- uh, respectful submission for the play-by-play call of the day. But you know, I personally really, got the audio. It's really great when they have to beg for it. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me Merrill Reese didn't call. Well, we still might hear today, from him, too. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury.